Due to COVID-19 restrictions, we're recording this remotely. However, as Mitch and I live in a different county to Meg, we will likely continue recording remotely post-COVID. Hello, and welcome to Watched It, Missed It, Skipped It, the podcast where we discuss, dissect and react to our favourite TV shows one episode at a time on one condition. One of us has never seen it before. I'm Ellen. I'm Meg. And I'm Mitch. And this week we'll be discussing Desperate Housewives Season 1, Episode 8, Guilty. Madam. I'd say a long time no speak, but actually there's been an episode up this week, so... Yeah, but we haven't recorded one in, like, two weeks. No, that's, that's true. Because you were poorly, and then you were better, and then you died again. Yeah. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it amazing that the times when we don't record, it's always my fault? <laughs> Look, it's only been twice, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. But, like, as established last week, we couldn't have recorded at all. It wasn't no. going to happen. I could not speak. <laughs> no, you didn't sound good. Yeah. And I'm still getting you over it better. now. So Mitch is going to have, you know, a lot of fun editing out all of my, like, hacking up my own lungs. So have fun. Yeah. We might leave it in. Oh, you're welcome, friends. <laughs> you're welcome, dear listener. I suggest you turn your headphones down. Yeah, we'll just turn it off. <laughs> um, I... That too, I suppose. <laughs> well, we had a good run. Bye. <laughs> Eight episodes, got 30 seconds in. <laughs> and if you could want to follow us on Twitter at We're Missy Podcast, that is W I M R. Anyway, shall we get into it? Yours. Yeah. Yours? Let's do it. All right. So, obviously, last week. We uh, had the big event that was um, Andrew running down Juanita Solis over with a vehicle. V- vehicular manslaughter. Yes. Vehicular. Well, no, not manslaughter because she's still alive. No, I know, but when they say it in TV shows, they always say vehicular manslaughter. They do. Yeah. Vehicular. Yeah. Weird. Anyway. Um, yeah, running Juanita Solis over with a vehicle. Um, and then this week... I think it's mostly dealing with the aftermath of that. And so obviously we start with Brie. Um, and we learn that Brie spent most of her life feeling guilty. That was a quote I actually jotted down, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of sad. Which is really, really sad. Mm. Um, and then obviously they plan to get rid of the car. And then she just really, like, nonchalantly declares pancakes for breakfast. I love her. Fucking love pancakes for breakfast. <laughs> But what I also thought was really um, interesting, for me, neither of you will know what I'm on about, really, or indeed care, but obviously the comparison gets brought up a lot between Desperate Housewives and Pretty Little Liars, right? And people <clears throat> always say that like Pretty Little Liars was like the teenager's version of Desperate Housewives. <clears throat> Brie and Spencer are basically the same character. <laughs> Okay. And Spencer Hastings is one of my favourite characters ever, so that's actually quite a high compliment. But, I don't know, just the way that she was, like, sat there, like, slowly working it out in her head while everybody else was freaking out. And, like, the fact that she yeah. had a plan, she yeah. knew what to do. She was very, like, calculate but in, like, a interesting way, not, like, a scheming way. Um, but also... Like, going back to, like, though she's felt guilty for most of her life thing. Um, with, like, the little flashbacky bits. That was already interesting as well, because you understand that she's always had this, like, pressure on her. Yeah. Yeah. And also, the phrasing of let her boyfriend go to second base and not did that with him. Yeah. Yeah. A bit grim. I think the wording of that also kind of speaks a lot to Bree's character like she sees it as like uh it was her fault and that's why she feels guilty like it's her fault that she let that she let him do yeah. what he wanted like that yeah it's just sad yeah but when it came to like um brie in the sort of scene next like when they were cleaning up the like the car the car stains i was like <laughs> brie is do you know what she's genuinely really thoughtful yeah yeah 
And also it draws a parallel to like remember when she was telling Zach about when her mum got hit by a car. Oh and yes. And that she scrubbed the street so that there was no blood. Of and course. Yeah, and I think it draws back to that as well. She's done it before. Mm. Yeah. And that's actually really well done because it wasn't obvious. No, I didn't catch up on it either, but that's because I completely forgot about it. But there was no voiceover being like, and she did the exact same thing she did 20 years ago, which is a... They're getting a little bit obnoxious when they're pointing those things out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Subtle. Mm. Um, and then obviously her and Rex then take the car to, I've put in quotation marks, a bad neighbourhood. Um, the slum. While... <laughs> <laughs> and then while they're there, they obviously sit in Rex's car and reminisce about the kids and trying to work out how to punish Andrew. Yeah. And then the car is gone. Which is what they wanted. It is kind of cute seeing them come together as a team for the first time, really ever, as far as we've seen. Because the whole time we've seen them, like they've been very much, well, not I don't want to say like on opposite teams, but like almost like working against each other. Mm. So it's really, it's really sort of nice seeing them actually come together for the first time and work as a team to try and sort out the situation. Yeah, yeah and it was showing like a quite a soft side to Bree as well. Because mm. before I've thought, okay, well, obviously I see you with teenage children because that is what I'm literally looking at. But it was kind of a case of like, I can't imagine you with little folks, like like young kids or babies. And then when she was talking about when the kids were little, I was like, oh, wait, no, I do see how that would have worked. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that how she used to use their nap times to cry. Yeah. Oh, I love that scene. I know we probably shouldn't. We should probably shouldn't jump straight to that, but that was like possibly my favourite scene that we've had in the whole show so far. Aww. Mm. Yeah, I've got in my notes to cover that more with Lynette. Good think, shout. Because, good shout. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to see them sort of reminisce about the kids yeah. a little and how quickly they've grown up. And it seemed almost for a moment where you were kind of like, maybe you two could make this work. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Now. Now that Rex isn't necessarily focused on hit, throwing his strop hmm. or just focused on ending the marriage, that it can actually work. It's almost like he is actively trying to end it. Yeah, I think I, I think I see it from the angle of, at least in this episode anyway, because they're so focused on something else, they've dropped the anger yeah. and they've dropped the resentment and kind of behaving like normal human beings around each other now. Yeah. Because they're so focused on their son and this big thing that's happened. They're not focused on themselves and their, I don't want to say petty little issues, but I suppose compared to your son running over a woman with his car, petty issues. Yeah. That they seem to be more friendly with each other this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause, because like you were saying, though, they're focused on the one thing that they or one of the few things that they still have in common is that they love their kids. Yeah. And, yeah, I just feel like... I don't want to say softer, because that's not the right word, but thing, it was almost like seeing a softer side to the pair of them when they were reminiscing about the kids in the car. Yeah. Um, which Andrew does ruin a little bit when... Um, Obviously, they're leaving Gabby and Carlos's, and Bree and Rex are a bit sort of like, you know, he's obviously projecting his grief and his concern, and Andrew's just like, whatever, I'm off the hook. Yeah. Yeah, that was grim. Yeah, and I thought it was nice that Bree wants Andrew to see a therapist. Yeah. And not because, in his words, do you think I'm psycho? Was yeah. That, was that the word he used? I think so. Um... But because there's only so much a parent can be there for you, especially yeah. in this kind of instance, without a professional being involved. And it wasn't a case of, I think you're an absolute nut job, in quotation marks. It was a, I have concerns. There are things you probably need to talk through that I can't help you with, so we'll provide you with somebody that can. Yeah. And he didn't like that. Do you reckon that's a sign that Bree's therapy's working? That she's seeing the benefits of it? I think so. 
Yeah, because I'm kind of thinking that it's, it's kind of a case of... Because, do correct me if I'm wrong, it's been over eight weeks. But in, like, the first episode, or maybe, like, the second one, wasn't she kind of like, people people like us don't go to therapy. We don't need therapy, we're fine. Yes. Yeah. She was very anti-therapy. Yeah. So like We're not those kind of people. Yeah, so the character development of her now realising, wait, you can really benefit from, like, an unbiased, like, professional, level-headed person just listening to you. So we love to see that. Yeah, I, I love that. And it, it does definitely show that it's working for her, whether she quite realises it or not, mm. I think. Um, but also it was very interesting to see that Andrew doesn't actually feel guilty. He kind of low-key blames Juanita. Yeah, victim yeah. blaming at its best. But throughout the whole episode, I was waiting for him to crack and be like, drop the act and be like, oh my God, I feel awful. This is horrible. I can't sleep, whatever. And it to mm. all have been... Like a, like a, like an armor that he's put on. Yeah. And it just never was. And then when they were having that conversation in the kitchen, I finally thought they were going to get somewhere, and he just made it worse. Yeah. Yeah. Like, his mother said to him that she doesn't think he has a soul. Mm. And he was just like, "Well, you could call the police, but that'd make you the monster." Yeah. And I said to Mitch at the time, I actually looked at him and went, "Well, actually, no, that'd make her a good parent." Yeah, it would. Yeah, but that that he that line then drags forward the whole like theme of the episode and also the title of the episode because then that made her feel guilty. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, obviously, with my all-knowing Desperate Housewives knowledge, that. This episode does set Andrew up very nicely. Oh, yeah. does he turn out to it be does. an absolute git? He might, he might not, <laughs> who's to say? Oh, I bet he kills people. He might, he might not, who's to say? Oh, that's a yes. He might, Is he might though? not, who's to say? Wow, Andrew killed people. I bet it's multiple people. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, kids. Um, do we have anything else on Brie? That's all I have. Uh, no, I don't think I've got anything. Um, I love her. Aww. Oh, I have one final note on Brie. Mm. She has some funky hats in this episode. Yeah. In fact, just in general. I wish they'd get hit by a car. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be a great loss to the lane if something happened to her hat. <laughs> it really wouldn't. <laughs> funky by no means was a compliment, by the way. <laughs> okay, well, making a fashion choices then. Should we move on to Gabby? Sure. That feels like a very natural segue. So... Juanita's in a coma. R.I.P. in peace. No, no, she's in a coma. R.I.P. in peace. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> John turns up to the hospital and goes to pray with Carlos, which, quite frankly, gives Gabby the best look of horror on her face ever. Yeah. So that awkward hug, though, that was worse than, like, Draco and Voldemort. Um, And then the nurse wanting Gabby to give Juanita a sponge bath, which just... <laughs> the thing is i was like oh they've put that there comedy funny appreciate it appreciated it and then moved on and then in the end when she did i was like oh that yeah that okay yeah Yeah. that was cute yeah yeah i mean it was cute but then also we had mary alice saying you know people do things to ease their conscience yeah so Mm. it's not because she cares it's because she feels guilty well the most mm. interesting thing with Gabby that I thought this episode ties in with that a little bit because it was when she admitted that she'd rather be happy than be a good person. Yeah. Yeah, like to me that's just... You know like when there are characters that are just so unbelievably interesting even if they're not likeable? Mm. Yeah. That, I am very drawn to that as a concept because that is, mwah, chef's kiss, give me more of this. Yeah. I completely agree. I think with that, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just written to make it sound like she's selfish, but really that just tells me that she's sad. Because, like, I think I think if it does get to the point where you're just so sad in your own life that all you want is to be happy, that you wouldn't really focus on anything else. It just, it just, it just makes me feel like she's really fucking sad. Mm. And I mean, that is kind of like an overarching theme with her, hence the affair with the, the child. But, I mean... She's really enjoying the affair with the child, so I feel like that is her happy, and it's something she wants to maintain instead of get hold of. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, obviously, your opinion can't be wrong, because mm. that's your opinion, but I I don't 
personally see that myself. Okay. Like she is sad, but I more lonely than yeah. sad. I think she's just selfish. Right, yeah, I think fair she's enough. She's she is selfish. And selfish because especially when he was like that's such a childish response mm. and she was like, I know. Yeah. But I love that as it like as a character concept. Yeah. I don't like Gabby at the minute, but but like as 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 a character, she fascinates me. In the same way that Bree did in the beginning. I was like, I don't like you, but you're intriguing. Yeah. But now Bree is my baby. Yeah. Um I will say though, Gabby did deliver quite a funny line. Well the line's not funny, it was the way she said it. Yeah. We're not negotiating my uterus. Iconic line. And I love that for her. And she's right, we shouldn't be negotiating yeah. her uterus. Exactly. Especially when she brought up the fact that this is what they had agreed. So the last time they'd spoken about it, they were on the same page. Only for him to rock up and start saying, Oh yeah, we're gonna have kids and she's like well, if you are, it's not going to be with me because when the fuck did I sign up for that? Because, <laughs> like, you don't do that with other people around. It's something you bring up. If you change your mind, you have a fucking conversation about it. You don't just decide. And then bring it up for the first time in front of other people yeah. so that you can't say no. Yeah. It's very heavy. She dealt with it very well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very heavy-handed and disgusting manipulation tactic. Mm. Yeah. Because he's just set that expectation for everyone else that they're going to start having kids. And it makes it awkward for everybody else because Rex and Brie, okay, they're not perfect, but Rex was like, oh, congratulations! Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Also, All right. I don't want to see, like, Dad Carlos. He's not a nice man. I don't think he'd be a good father. No? No. Well... I get that. When, when we see, like, softer Carlos and we kind of understand why he's like this, yes. But in the way of, like, how, like, controlling and gross he can be, there. Yeah. 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 No, I get that. That's and I actually I mean. think that neither of them I'll say at this point in time because people can change. Yeah. For the better or for the worse. We're only on season 1. At this point in time, neither of them would make good parents. No. Nah. But we do know that I am of the theory and thinking that they do have kids at some point and I'm pretty sure that's where Madison Lagaza comes from. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not ruling it out and being like this is awful, but as as it stands, no. But also, isn't Gabby like my age? Um, I think she's supposed to be twenty four, twenty five. So a little bit older. But either way, she's got like shed loads of time. It's not like Carlos is like, look, my wife's forty two. I've decided I want a kid. It's now or it's never. Like. Let the bitch breathe. Yeah. Yeah. So then the next time we really see Gabby is when she goes to talk to John. And he is quite clear in saying that he they're over. Yeah. And that he's staying with Danielle. And then the revelation that John went to confession. <laughs> he's told someone. However, potentially the wrong person. Mm. Given the whole, if you had a confession, they can't tell anybody what you've done, even if it's a crime kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it lies with them. But still, the absolute horror on her face when she realises that somebody knows. Yeah. She's yeah. lost a little bit of power. And part of me wants to go ahead and be like, yes, because she knows it's wrong. And she is maybe thinking, oh, but if he tells someone, maybe I can get in trouble. Um, maybe, no, 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 no. Maybe there are, like, like clauses as to when you can tell people, i.e., I, like, a child being abused, cough, cough. But I really don't think that is it. I think it is literally just a case of her secret is out, not, oh, I'm doing something wrong and I've been caught. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 she, she's not... Oh. I'll say she's not focused on the illegal side of it. She's focused on the adultery side yes. of it. She's, yeah. she's, she's focused on what's my husband going to do if he finds out, not I've raped a child. Yeah. yeah. That is like as wrong as I think she thinks it is. Yeah. yeah. In the, oh, an affair, not, oh, molestation. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Which again links into the Gabby's selfish thing. Like, she's not thinking of the consequences of anyone else. It's just ha- what directly affects her in mm. the here and now. Yeah. 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 Um, again, don't really have a lot else for Gabby aside from when she speaks to Father Crowley at the hospital when they have the whole selfish child conversation. 
where he says to her that God only forgives if you're truly sorry. And again, I think she was just waiting for the whole, like, for the validation of you can do whatever as long as you, you know, go to church and you tell somebody that you're sorry, you tell God that you're sorry, you confess or whatever. Yeah. And instead, she got that reality check of, well, if you are sorry, you can be forgiven, yes. But you have to be sorry, and I think that wasn't what... I think she was fishing for basically to be reassured that what she's doing is okay. And she didn't get it. Yeah. I think she was trying to find some sort of like loophole with it. Like, because she kept sort of saying, but if I... I can keep doing it as long as eventually I repent. Mm. I, I, can, I can just keep doing what I'm doing. She was trying to find a way to not change, but get away with it. Yeah. But again, I, I just find that fascinating. Hmm. I also kind of get the sense as well of that her horror in John going to confession and telling somebody takes away for her that relief that she had of, oh, well, the only person that knew what was going on outside of the two of us is now in a coma and can't say anything. Yeah. And that it's brought back that panic of, oh, shit, somebody else knows. That's very yeah. true. Which would then explain why she was then like, well, if somebody confesses something to you, how strict are you on that? Mm. Like, is this just a guideline or can you actually not say anything? I've also got written down that Father Crowley is very done with her shit. Aren't we all? Like, literally from the second he sat down, he was like... Fuck's sake. The fuck is wrong with this bitch? Yeah. Big mood. (laughs) (laughs) The absolute turn of events that have happened... Yeah. And there's eight episodes to make Meg go from absolutely loving Gabby to absolutely being done with her. Yeah. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so since we're pretty done with Gabby, do we want to move on to Susan? Yeah. yeah good with me. Yeah. Um, first thing I've got from her is that her and Mike are going to go for a wine tasting. Yeah. And then he's, he, he's preemptively... Uh, thinking that she'd say yes and hotel and Mitch is raising his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that no one could see me. <laughs> but, but the way that that like, is approached, is it's just really cute. And the thing is, he was right. She was going to say yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it was sweet. It wasn't just a, let's do this. It's two hours away. Oh no, we're going to have to stay somewhere. Yeah, yeah. It was, You've got no choice like now. It was, a, it was a, oh, well. Good job, I've uh, printed off some things. Yeah. <laughs> and then Susan finds his gun and his money. His gunny, yeah. if you will. Right, so when I first saw that scene, I <laughs> thought she saw the gun. And then when she was talking to uh, Julian, she was saying, oh, there was all this money, I found loads of money. And I was like, I thought you found the gun. And then I think when she went back, she then found the gun while she was snooping at the money. I was just, I'm so confused. I think I've always taken from that that I think she opens the cupboard, sees the gun, doesn't touch the gun, but then finds the money and starts touching that a little bit. And then Mike comes back down the stairs and is like, what did you say? And she's like, oh, no, mind. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when she's telling Julie, she is more focused on the money than the gun. So maybe she didn't see the gun. Going back a scene though, Julie's absolutely fucking hilarious all the she time. Is. Love she really her. Is. Like I said in the first episode, my favourite is Jill. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Jill. But no, she she is hilarious. Yeah. Especially when she was like, I need this date to go well for you because when I get married and have a husband, I don't want you to live with us. That's what you guys did with me. <laughs> no. <laughs> And when she puts that cardigan on and she's like, you look old in that. I love them. Genuinely, I love them. But by love them, them. I, I, mo- I mostly mean Julio. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we've got when uh, Susan goes back and she counts the money and then she shoves it all in the sink and then she falls through the floor and Bongo is no help. I love Bongo. But I, I love Bongo. I love so him in much. this episode. There's a reason he's my favourite. Yeah. So here's the thing, though. Is that when, like, all the kerfuffle was happening with the money, like, you know Susan's gonna, there's gonna be a mess somewhere. And I was like, oh, she's gonna put it all in the sink, and then when she runs back up the stairs, she's gonna accidentally turn the sink on and the money's ruined, right? Mm. That didn't happen. 
No. Nope. Like, I always think I know what it's going to be, and then it just isn't. But I'm not quite wrong, because something does happen, but I'm not right at all either. No, she just decided to jump on those floorboards that Micah <laughs> told her were already rotten and would fall through at any minute. Did you tell her that? Yeah, at the start, when um, they were talking about the wine tasting in the hotel. When he oh. came down the stairs and he was all dirty, and she was like, you're right? And he was like, yeah, I've just ripped off all those floorboards because they're rotting. And oh, I missed any that. Yeah. I missed that. That makes sense. Clearly, I've watched this show way <laughs> too much because I just noticed everything now. No, but that's helpful because I notice nothing. Yeah, and then I say things and you guys are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Bongo was no help and no. just decided to drink out the toilet. And then she called Bongo stupid and then he brought her a bird. And I was like, honestly, the dead bird is what you deserved for calling Bongo stupid. Look, I love he... the dead bird. Maybe he was just trying... He didn't know how long she was going to be there. He was trying to bring her sustenance. He was trying to help. He was trying to keep her alive. Oh, what, what a pure boy. He is a pure boy. He is. He's so pure. I and love Bongo Delfino. Mike comes home and helps Susan out, and it's all lovely and whatever, and then he finds the money, and then he's just suddenly rage. Yeah. Yeah, but like that like cold, pretty quiet rage that's worse than yelling. Yeah, where he was just like, get out. Okay. Well, I found it quite strange that he seemed to be more annoyed by the fact that she went through the cabinets than the fact that she'd moved what was in the cabinets. Because from his perspective of he turns around, everything's in the sink, that could have been, I'm trying to take it, I'm trying to move it, I'm trying to hide it, I'm trying to destroy it, and I'm going to make it all like wet and mulchy. That could have been any of the above, but he just went for, well, you went through my cabinets, which isn't quite the thing that I would be mad about. But then I guess it is mm, maybe a trust thing. Maybe it was the case of you were going through my stuff and that is what annoyed him. But logically, if I turned around and like valuables of mine were like conglomerated in a heap, I'd be like, what are you doing with that? Not, oh, you found my things. Do you know what I mean? True. But it's not actually that that he's mad at. Well, it is. But it's the subtext that we have that Susan doesn't have as to what else is in that cabinet. And remind me what that is. It's his maps and his details on everybody in the lane. I think he's more worried that she found that. Oh, right. Yes, quite right, sir. Yes. Because mm. you then obviously, you know, we when Susan goes over to kind of apologise, he's still kind of got that cold mm. grace about him. Um, all I've got written down for that is, I'm a good guy, in quotation marks, and then I've put, say, all men ever. I literally said, good guys do not have to call themselves good guys. Yeah. <laughs> And then I've got, oh, Muzan broke up and Mitch did declare next to me, Meg's going to be mad. But that's okay, because then the next time we see them, they get out together. That's true. They kiss and make up. They more than kiss. Yeah. <laughs> In what quite potentially is the weirdest scene, because actually I think the start of that scene, we've got Mike looking at the contents of his cupboard that he's moved onto the table and he's looking at that picture of Susan yeah. and the maps. Um, Which you made an excellent point about that picture. How has he taken that photo? <laughs> yeah, but do you know what? That is better than when um, like, TV shows use like screen grabs of scenes from a couple of seasons ago as pictures. And I was like, nobody was there to take that. So I'd much rather have that in plausibility. True. Although I think that's still what's happened here. Yeah. But... It was just, again, my sad little Desperate Housewives knowledge where I was like, the angle that she stood at in her kitchen, there wasn't, there isn't even a window there. Oh, is there not? I assumed no. it was through the window. No. Okay. But never mind, that's just me being a little bit critical. Nerd. Sorry. Um, and then Mike knocks on the door, offers to tell Susan everything, and then she does that pathetic woman thing that us women do. I hated that. By going, that's everything that I need to know. No, then... I hated that so much. <laughs> Which is just so cringy. Yeah, Yeah. and it's also like, 
especially because I was so like, okay, I love this for you. And like the scene before when she was like, okay, we cannot see each other anymore, but you've missed out on something really great because you're being stubborn. And I was like, okay, knowing worth, like love that. And then the fact that she was like a pathetic wet sandwich and it was just this literally a case of I'm giving you this opportunity for all of your questions to be answered. I'm going to be honest with you for like the first time ever. And she was like, but sex? Yeah. Yeah. Like, all right, Susan, you might not want to know, but everybody else does. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I think while I agree what Susan does is cringy and kind of stupid. I do kind of see it from her point, like just the gesture that he's willing to talk about it is enough for her, but bitch, we need answers. Yeah, the fact the fact that he wasn't giving up on her anymore, which is definitely I, I feel like that was kind of the thing that hurt her feelings before was that mm. he he was gonna give up. Yeah. Yeah. He's made the effort this time instead of her constantly going back to him. Yeah. And trying to make it work, he's approached her, and I think that's all she needed. I can't deal with their back and forth, up and down, this way and that way for much longer. It's only been eight episodes, and I am (laughs) tired out of my mind, like Lynette. But also, can I just say, I forgot that we were calling them Muzen, and every time I've talked about them in my notes, I put Smike. (laughs) Smike! (laughs) They can be Smike as well. I like Smike and Muzen. I like it. Sorry. Um, yeah, so then we then have them kissing and making it up and going a little bit further than that. And this actually leads us on to the next thing we should talk about. Was Did anybody else think it was a bit weird to put a sex montage in with a woman being murdered? I loved yeah. it! <laughs> I thought it was a really weird scene, but it was very brilliantly shot. It was genius! Do you know what? It really reminded me of when Quinn Fabray gives birth to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> and, that, and do you know what? That scene gets shot on all the time and it's like this big joke. I genuinely still think, ten years later, that it's really fucking clever and it was actually really great. But, in a more kind of serious way, it did remind me of that scene from You, where Joe's cutting up a body. I think it's to a montage of love making dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. It was definitely him cutting up a body mixed with yeah. something else. And I thought that scene was genius too. So while a bit grim and a little bit like I don't know, maybe not to everybody's um vibes, I I thought it was genius and I kind of loved it. <laughs> Funny though. Moves us on quite nicely to the whole Edie Martha Paul mm-hmm. situation we've got going on, who I have written all three down their scenes as one little group. I don't know what everybody else did. You know, finally a hit man with, you know, good vibes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but also, you know, learning pretty early on that Edie and Martha argue a lot and steal from each other. Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't know if we were trying to be like, oh, we're showing that, you know, they're paranoid characters and they've got a lot to hide. No, she genuinely did steal her 40 quid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she genuinely did. And it also sets it up for where we go a little bit further down the line if the Edie steals her notepaper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. But yeah, you're right. That that PI does have a little bit of sense about him. And, um, you know, realised after, you know, saying to Paul, no refunds, you can't change your mind. Well, yeah, especially because in that scenario, he could have just gone, oh, well, I've been paid and I kill people for a living. So my conscience isn't that great. So yeah. stabby, stabby. Yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, so then you find out that it was Martha's. Um, and Paul seems to accept it quite nicely to start with, that it was Martha, not Edie. Yeah. Well, we're in that scene when he was like, look, I know I said um, no refunds, but I can, you know, give the old arsenic to somebody else. And he was like, no, 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 this isn't what Mary had have wanted. I was then wondering, my first thought was, is that true or does he want to do it himself? I personally, having seen it many, many, many a time, I still, all this time later, don't get the vibe that he wanted to do it himself. Mm. I genuinely believe he just wanted answers and she pissed him off. Yeah, I yeah. agree. It was almost like, though, I hadn't seen the rest of the episode when that scene happened. Because <laughs> by the time that he then got there... And he took the note out. I then realised that he did actually want answers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. After their weird little conversation about ants. 
but you know I'll, I'll always think it's poetic that uh, Paul whacks around the head with the same blender that she stole from Mary Alice sorry I was really too busy during that scene watching the uh, tub of Ben and Jerry's roll across the floor and I was like what <laughs> waste oh no, he whacks around the head initially with the with the blender that Martha stole from Mary Alice in the first episode. Poetic cinema. But also, I've, again, watched too much soaps and too much Pretty Little Liars, and I'm like, yeah, but is she dead, though? Okay. I, don't... I mean, I, I think she is, looking at it, but I'm like, I don't trust anything. So if she pops up in, like, series 14, don't be surprised. I mean, you should be surprised because there isn't a series 14. But... <laughs> I was going to say, if there's a series 14, I have been kept seriously out of the loop. You call yourself a Desperate Housewives fan, Jesus. <laughs> but also, he got his answer straight away when he slid the note over and instead of going, oh, what's this? <laughs> or, oh, you've written me a note, lovely. Like, <laughs> it was just a case of, what are you doing here? Like, that instant answer without her saying anything major because it wasn't... Because that would be the thing. If you if you had nothing to do with it, he'd slide that over and you go, oh, what's that? Yeah. yeah. I think Martha is very unashamed of her blackmail. Like, she doesn't care. She's just very happy to just keep very openly blackmailing whoever she can just to get money. Also, though, I think it ties in quite nicely, again, with the title of the episode, Guilty. She doesn't feel guilty. I yeah. think her intentions originally were the same as when she tried to blackmail Susan. Yeah. She just wanted money. The fact yeah. that Mary Alice killed herself was just an inconvenience for her. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that when she then said that, um, well, it's not my fault that she killed herself, it was the guilt of what she did to that baby. Again, ooh, answers. But I figured that out five episodes ago. But it was also the fact that I believe her when she says that. That she thinks that she had nothing to do with this at all. And maybe yeah. she didn't. Maybe. But that doesn't mean that a, no a normal person would feel horrible anyway. Yeah, I mean, if you'd sent somebody... I mean, normal people, if you'd sent somebody a note and then after receiving that note, the person you'd sent it to killed themselves, you'd be a little bit like, did I do that? Yeah, even if literally the note just said... Can you get some milk on the way home? I'd be like, May maybe they have cow trauma and I didn't know. Like, you'd think <laughs> about it. <laughs> Martha did a death. She did. <laughs> um, and, well, Paul murdered someone. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what it's been eight episodes he's been creepy as fuck the whole time it's about time he did something to justify his creepiness oh wait right? he, threw a, he threw a box in a river that potentially had a body in it oh yeah, yeah something else to justify I feel that was like to me that was months ago so yeah that honestly feels like it was seasons ago yeah I mean it was what four weeks ago for us I don't know anymore a bit longer than that yeah. Anyway, um, in that case, should we go on to Lynette? Yeah. She's not having a good time. She's not. No. Excellent. I personally enjoyed it when she yeeted the brush at that speeding car. Same. Yeah. That was a very Lynette thing to do and I loved it. It tickled me when it happened, but like looking back on it now, I'm like, maybe that was just, you know, like a little bit of a crack before everything yeah. shattered. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then you, yeah. See, you see this episode that she really tried. Like she tried the acupuncture. Mm. Um, the kids were not helpful. Although I did laugh quite a lot when Parker just drags the plant into. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But also, like, let him have it. Like it even fits in with the theme. Like he's he's Parker. That's plant. Like. <laughs> like theme it may have making him happy i want him to have the plant i find parker and the plant far more interesting than the twins yeah 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 and like you could tell the the, the, the plant was keeping parker quiet yeah it was oh, the yeah. twins that were the problem yeah it always is yeah. <laughs> and i did feel really sorry for her when she like was begging the acupuncturist for something yeah to help her sleep yeah but i i was kind of like i kind of got the impression 
that she was always there to ask for something medical, like like mm. medicinal. So then I was kind of like, well, why did you go to an acupuncturist slash somebody that's kind of into like herbally healing, like natural stuff? Like if you wanted medicine, would you go to someone else? Cause I was kind of, I very much got the impression that she was doing the acupuncture as a way to get in the door so that she could ask for something that she could take. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So I was like, but out of all the medical professionals, why would you pick somebody that's into like natural ancient healing? I think maybe it's to, it's because she's exhausted all other options. Like I think she is trying to find a way to rest, but because I think when she does break down later on, she does say about how she just, oh no, it's when she opens up to the acupuncturist that she's like, I just need to rest. I think that's what she was went to acupuncture for initially, but she has exhausted all other options that she's literally trying anything to to feel better. Yeah, that's true. And at the beginning of the scene, I was kind of like, your sleep's messed up because of the medicine, you prawn. Like, <laughs> this isn't going to help because your problem is now chemical. But And then when she like went off and was like, look, I fucked up my sleep because of this help i was like oh you are self-aware you're just bullshitting that's fine (laughs) yeah that she's self-aware and that she knows that it's the chemicals that's fucked up again probably why she's gone to somebody that will take her down the herbal route yeah yeah i guess so yeah um and then she drinks the sleepy tea which Mm -hmm. i've referred to as because we don't actually know what was given to her and uh uh uh-oh the boy scouts are here yeah just, I had, yeah. I, w- I was gonna make a joke about like a knot, but I couldn't think of one. You cannot think of one. <laughs> God damn it! I have a terrible sense of humour. Oh, we've noticed. <laughs> um, I mean, she did try and tie the knot, and then um, could not. Could not. Um, but no, I did kind of feel sorry for the boys a little bit. Like, again, you can see she's cracking a little yeah. bit when he was like, that doesn't look like the picture. And she was like, well, you're not going to be a sailor. Why do you need it? Yeah. 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 She was, she was, she was going places throughout the whole episode. Yeah. yeah. She's not, not coping. And then obviously that phone call with Tom, where Tom had clearly said that he wasn't going to be home when he said he would be. Yeah. Um, Tom exhausts me. And then her um, little... I've put hallucination slash dream. Yeah. I'm not quite sure what it was. Um, of absolutely losing her shit. And then Mary Alice giving her a gun and killing herself. But I love that. Because, like, as a scene to... A, show, like, severe sleep deprivation. I thought it was really effective. But then also to show what Lynette was thinking about. Because it was getting to the point where she was so tired that she was like, I cannot do this. I want to freak out. I want to break things. I don't want to be here. Maybe it'd be easier if I wasn't here. Maybe my kids would be better off if I wasn't here because of like just the distinct lack of sleep. And I think having that shown by having her like envision, I guess, like having a complete meltdown, throwing things, breaking things, and then Mary Ass giving her a gun, I think was really effective. I think that was great. I loved it. Yeah. That. Yeah. It's very cleverly done. Mm. Yeah. Um, but I also like that it makes her realise that, you know, something does need to be done and that she, instead of pushing herself through it and pushing her kid through it, she drops them off with Susan. Very responsible. Yeah. She, she leaves them with a responsible adult yeah. um, and then goes off herself, which again could also be a bit of a concern given the Mary Alice yeah. hallucination dream that she'd had that you'd be a little bit like oh, what what's she going off to do but i'm really glad that they picked up on that mm. and i put and i put that in the notes because easily susan could have just gone oh lynette's kids are having a rough day i'll give her you know a couple of hours but you know and i'm and i'm kind of wondering if maybe they're trying to make up for the fact that they didn't notice that mary house is going through something so they're yeah. now kind yeah. of being hyper aware about each other and yeah. I mean, I'm a, I was a little bit like, um, interesting that Lynette, as a grown adult, sometimes can't handle the pressure of watching four of her four four children at the same time, but Danielle clearly can. That's that's a theory, but I am glad that they explained where the kids were because a lot of shows 
They just never bother. So that was good. But yeah, the fact that they then went after her and she um, recruited Bree to go with her. Yeah, I loved that. Because easily you could have just gone, oh, Lynette's having a moment. I'll see her in a few hours. Ta-ra. Yeah, and I think that happens in a lot of, not just shows, but also like life. Yeah. Yeah. That you just be like, oh, clearly you're having a rough day. I'll watch the kids for a couple of hours. You get some sleep. Yeah, but even more realistically, a lot of people would be annoyed and be like, you cannot just lump your kids on me. Oh, I don't care what kind of mood you're in. I don't care what you're going through. And do it like that. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, you'd be so annoyed by the fact that, like, unexpectedly this has happened that you lose that bit of empathy that everybody loses when they get annoyed. Mm. And to start with... Susan wasn't impressed. No. But she was also going through her own shit as well. Yeah. Lynette didn't really give her much of a choice, but she was okay with it. She was yeah. just kind of like, okay, there's clearly a problem. Yeah, it, it was the realisation that something was up that led to her actually going to do something about it. Yeah, and finding her, which is good. And then they have a nice little moment, the three of them. Yeah. Where they I all love admit that how hard parenting is. Love that scene so and much. The, you know, and it was it's tough as well hearing like Lynette say that she feels like a failure all the time. Yeah, like the what the worst bit, oh, the worst bit was when she was like, "Oh, I love my kids, and I'm just really sorry that they have me as their mother." And I was like, eh. "Yeah, yeah." But yeah, I loved that scene so fucking much, Same. and it was like I thought that was. It's like, I thought that'd be like a really important scene if it happened now, but I feel like, you know, back in 2004, nobody was kind of saying any of those things that they were saying. And I think, I don't know, I kind of like, I like to think that there were like mums watching that that were like, oh, if, they, if, if characters can be like that, maybe it's okay that I want to tear my hair out every time my kid looks at me too. Like, I don't know, like maybe people were comforted by that. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, I think I obviously don't have any kids, but it's one of those things that I remember watching it then, like as a child, and I remember watching it now and thinking that it's not something that a lot of TV shows or films show. No. It's always the Brie Vanderkamps of the world Mm. and never the the Lynette Scarvos of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they do show people that are struggling, it's normally with the undertones of because they're a bad parent it's never you can be a good parent and find x bit difficult or have a really rough couple of months at x milestone like it's one or the other like you're a good mum who loves it and doesn't have any problems or you're a bad mum that finds it difficult and struggles yeah and there's no in between whereas lynette is very much that she's a good mum Mm. but this shit's hard it's just hard there are four of them yeah or it's often shown as you struggle at this point, but then you get over it and you don't struggle again. Like I can think of quite a few shows where they've done like something where it's like um, somebody that uh, never even considered like postnatal depression got postnatal depression and then they struggled and then they got better and it was great from there on afterwards. And I'm like, well, yeah that kind of thing so i can think of yeah. stuff like that but nothing where it was actually like hey this is rough sometimes forever <laughs> yeah i do think though that this is gonna be is a step in the right direction now for Lynette. yeah absolutely it's, it's the start of potentially coming out the other side a little bit i definitely got that vibe yeah um so what else in regards to the rest of this episode where where do you think we're going to go from here with other people can you give me individual names? I can. Um, Andrew and Bray. I'm. I think Andrew is gonna just get worse. Mm-hmm. I don't like to say it, but um, I, I did, and that's how I feel. So I do say it. But it was, yeah. Mm. I think Bray's gonna keep trying, and mm-hmm. I think it maybe might like affect her more because not only is she like, oh my god, my son did something horrible. But I think the thing that's really going to get her is my son did something horrible and he does not care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that would drive you nuts as, as a mum. But I don't... Yeah. Okay, Mike and Susan. 
Oh, I don't care. Throw them down, <laughs> down a well. Bang In enough. that case, moving on. Gabby and John. <sighs> this, Same won't, this won't end. Like, But also, how many times now has John tried to be like, look, no more? And Gabby's been like, but yes, this is what I want, so it's what's happening and you will deal with it, you bastard. Like, yeah. Like, this is getting slimy, gross and grim now. I like, throw Gabby down a well. Next. <laughs> Lynette. Ah, oh, sweet child. I do see, <laughs> I do see things going upwards now for Lynette. Good. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't think that they'd be stupid enough to just have it be overnight that she opened up so now everything's fine. I don't think that's gonna, they'd be mm-hmm. silly enough to do that. Like, literally every other show you probably think of. But I, I'm very aware now that where she's opened up, people are going to be keeping an eye on her. And again, yeah. that then ties into the, the whole um, feeling guilty that they um, like miss stuff with Mary Alice. But also just the fact that Lynette's struggling and they care about her. Yeah. And that's enough for them to want to keep an eye on her. Okay then, last one. Paul. He did a murder. He, he did. did. Maybe she, maybe, maybe um, Martha's going to end up in the lake with the box. Oh, okay, Ooh. maybe. But the box isn't in the lake anymore, so we should have learnt that lesson. But no body, no crime. <laughs> okay. Um, in that case, then, are you ready for the episode name and synopsis for next time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so next time is Desperate Housewives Season 1, Episode 9, Suspicious Minds. And the synopsis for this is, burdened with guilt over her past behaviour, Gabrielle throws herself into a mission to stage a fashion show featuring her female friends on Wisteria Lane. Susan is caught in the middle when she finds out about Gabrielle and John. Bree uses her own judgement in dealing with the repulsive behaviour of her son, and Lynette suffers unexpected consequences when she steals a nanny for her kids. Okay. Here's the thing that happens every fucking week, right? Is that all of this juicy crap happens. Like, you know, Paul kills people, murders, you know, exciting juicy things, you know. Dead bodies being pulled out of lakes. And then the synopsis for the next one is like, Susan and Mike go for a picnic. What? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and you know what? That hasn't even revealed most of what happens nope. in that episode. Well, this nope, episode was like full to the brim. Like I think, you know, if, if it was a sandwich, if one of those sandwiches that you can't pick up because too many stuff falls out. Yeah, it's a knife and fork sandwich. Yeah. And that was quite a that was quite a meaty synopsis as mm. well, and that doesn't really give away anything. Marty, I'm scared. Oh, just you fucking wait. Just oh, you boy. wait. Thank you for listening to Watched It, Missed It, Skipped It. We'll be back next Thursday with episode nine. In the meantime, you can find us at Watched It, Missed It, Skipped It on Instagram or We're Missy Podcast on Twitter. That's W-I-M-I-S-I Podcast. And you can email us at Watched It, Missed It, Skipped It at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then please remember to like, rate, and subscribe. And don't forget to tell your friends, families, aunties, dogs, neighbours, nephews, dogs again. And the dead crow in your bathroom. And the dead crow in your bathroom. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.